tuned in with the Underground Christian Network. We want to thank you for tuning in to the Underground Christian Network today. Our topic today is the Word Faith Movement. This movement goes by many different names. It's known as the Signs and Wonders Movement. It's known as the Word of Faith Movement. It's known as the Prosperity Doctrine. It's known as the Doctrine of the Born Again Jesus. It goes by many different names and titles. But what we want to do here today is we want to get to the bottom of this. This movement has come into Christianity like a flood. And a lot of Christians have gotten caught up in it. And many of them don't realize what this movement is and where it's come from. From, and they often get deceived by the signs and wonders that this movement displays, and they think that these signs and wonders are from God, I think we need to take a look again and see what we're really dealing with here. In our world today, as I mentioned in my earlier message called the Bible Version Controversy Explained, also called the Bible Version Issue Explained, there is a movement going on in the religious world today known as the Ecumenical Movement. And the purpose of this movement is to try to unify Christianity with the other religions of the world by gradually watering down Christian doctrine and merging the teachings of other religions into Christianity under the guides that these new teachings, which are actually the teachings of other religions, are being passed off as being new revelation from God. It's actually not new revelation from God. It's old teachings from other religions that are being presented to Christians as being a new revelation from God. The leader behind this ecumenical movement is the Catholic Church. They seem to want to merge all the religions into themselves. When Pope John Paul was alive, he asked the religious leaders to gather together in Italy, and many of them came, and they called upon their gods before the Pope of Rome. And the born-again Christians didn't show up because they knew not to join any kind of world religious organization. Nonetheless, the ecumenical movement continues to trudge forward, and it's been using many different avenues to try to make inroads into Christianity. One of the inroads they've been trying to use is the new Bible versions. Many Christians don't realize that the King James Bible is translated from the traditional Hebrew and Greek Jewish manuscripts, while the new Bibles, all of them that have come into being since 1881, actually are translated from manuscripts that has ties and connections to the Catholic Church. So these new Bibles are integrating into their pages the teachings of other religions, and in some of the footnotes you'll find very pro-Catholic footnotes in some of these Bibles. They've gotten to the point where they've actually eliminated entire verses from the Bible, like Matthew 17:21, which should read, This kind come forth only through prayer and fasting. You'll find in many of the new Bibles that verse is gone. Matthew 18:11, For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. That verse is taken out of the majority of new Bibles, and a whole bunch of others. What they've also done with these new Bibles is they have integrated the teachings of other religions, little by little, in a slow trickle with each new version that comes out. You'll have a version of the Christian Lord's Prayer in the book of Matthew, and then in the book of Luke, chapter 11, you'll have the occultic version of the Lord's Prayer, which eliminates all the heavenly references, eliminates God's will being done, and also eliminates deliver us from evil. That's the occult version. So they mix the Christian with the profane, and they put it both into the same Bible. 
What I'm finding with this ecumenical movement and with the word faith movement is that they are doing the same thing. They are mixing the truth with the profane. We're going to cover this movement in a very unique way because what we've done is we've gone and we've gathered together a series of audios so that you'll be able to hear these men from their own mouths and women doing what they do and saying what they say. And I realized beforehand there are going to be some out there who are going to say that I'm taking them out of context. There are going to be some who are going to say that I'm misrepresenting them. There are some who are going to get mad at me for bringing this information out. Okay. Nonetheless, as best we can, we're going to try to back these audios up with the dates and places where they were done if you want to look them up. Some of these audios are available online for free at various websites for you to listen to them or watch them. And I want to say this, too, before we get started. If you're out there today and you've been burned by one of these TV ministers or radio ministers, I want to apologize on behalf of the ones of us who are truly Christians because these men and women, many of them are legitimate. There's quite a few that are not, but they all are claiming to be Christians. So the truth and the profane tends to get mixed together, and sometimes the innocent get caught up by following somebody who's claiming to be Christian when they're actually teaching something that's far from Christian. I began to wonder why it was that Christians fall for these new movements that come along, whether it's Brownsville or Toronto or Pensacola or Laughing Revival or all this stuff, and I began to come to the conclusion that part of the reason is because ministers are telling Christians that before the return of the Lord, there's supposed to be this great revival. But in 2 Thessalonians 2, we are told there's going to be a great falling away, which is the opposite of revival. So since Christians are looking for revival, counterfeit revivals have come. And for that reason, we've put together this message to warn you about one of the biggest counterfeit revivals that's on the scene today, the Word Faith Movement. We have another movement here which professes to be Christian, but what is it really? The way to test it out is we have to look at its doctrines, and that's going to be the main focus that we deal with here today. One thing that has surprised me is that this word faith movement has been exposed around the world. Many of these uh, word faith teachers, mainly Benny Hinn, has been exposed by one news organization after another from Dateline to Inside Edition to HBO they were exposed in Australia, England, Canada, and the United States. If you guys want some videos of these, we don't sell them, but they are available online for anybody who wants to get a hold of some of these. There's quite a few out there that really goes into a lot of background detail on these word faith guys, these so-called faith healers. And, and all. One of them is called The Many Faces of Benny Hinn. It's a three DVD set, and it's over six hours. And quite a bit of this is these a series of uh, news investigations into what really goes on at Benny Hinn Ministries. Are those people who are coming out of wheelchairs on TV really coming out of wheelchairs? Or did their hidden cameras catch these people walking into the arena in the first place and given wheelchairs and rolled down to the front? The people who are genuinely sick in wheelchairs, if they have one leg or if they have one arm or if they're genuinely sick or visibly sick, according to their own hidden cameras, and I've watched the videos, when these people try to make their way to the stage to be prayed for, Benny Hinn's handlers, his screeners, his bodyguards stops them and tells them to take a seat or to pull over to the side if they're in a wheelchair and they're not allowed on the stage.
when you see these things on TV, everything has been polished and cleaned up and edited to make it look exactly the way they want you to see it. They present these men in the roles that they are given to play in this ecumenical movement that is going now under the name of Word Faith. So the title we gave this message might sound a little strange, uh, The Joker, The Guru, and The Jack of Spades. Let me explain to you why we named it this. It appears each of these men who are in this Word Faith movement has a role that they play. It all began with a man by the name of E.W. Kenyon a long time ago. And uh, a man by the name of Kenneth Hagen learned what he learned from E.W. Kenyon. He mastered E.W. Kenyon's teachings. Hagen then turned around and taught Kenneth Copeland. Now, Hagen I classify as the godfather. They call him Dad Hagen. I classify him as the godfather because he seemed to have manifested strange supernatural powers. If you want to see a video on some of his strange powers, there's one out there right now called uh, Kenneth Hagen and the Spirit of the Serpent. Now, I didn't name these but that's the name that it was given. It's by uh, Paul Creek Ministries, uh, Dr. Joe Chambers. I've had opportunity to speak with him. Godly man, Christian man who truly loves the Christian people and is very concerned about these strange signs and wonders that are being manifested all around with these word faith guys. And he gets down to where this power comes from, and we're going to be covering that too when we get to the section on the anointing. Uh, another video out there is called The Spirit of Truth and the Spirit of Error. Uh, another is, now you might not like the title of this one, but nonetheless, it's called, Is Benny Hinn Possessed of Devils? Now, I know there are those out there that might get a little irritated by the title, but again, I didn't give it the titles. But what I would recommend is, if you can find them, watch them. Just watch it. See what's really going on, because when you turn on your Christian radio station, when you turn on your Christian cable station, you are going to get a one-sided view of what's going on. Now, I'm going to explain to you why I've given these men nicknames. I'm not trying to put them down. I'm not attacking them. I could have used much worse names. I mean, I've seen some things these men have done that have made me so angry, but I choose instead to preach in love. But at the same time, I'm not going to compromise the faith. Anytime somebody speaks out against this group, they claim that the person is mean-spirited. They claim the person is attacking them. They claim that the person is you know, uh, used by the devil or something like that. And that's not where I'm coming from at all. I believe Christians have a right to know who these people are, what power they're using, the teachings that they're using. These are not new revelations from God. These men are gradually preparing Christians to accept the teachings of other religions, whether it's New Age or Mormonism or the occult. They're bringing it all into the church. And I think it's time that Christians opened up their eyes and said, hold it a second, I don't see this in my Bible, therefore I'm not going to take it. I named this message the Joker, the Guru, and the Jack of Spades. Kenneth Hagen learned from E.W. Kenyon and mastered it. He had strange powers. When you get around Kenneth Hagen and he's under this so-called anointing, you lose control of your faculties. I've seen some video of this guy. Very scary stuff. The doctrines this man taught, you're going to hear some of it a little bit later on, are not 
scriptural. Now, he didn't always preach unscriptural stuff because you have to understand a lot of these word faith teachers, whether it be Kenneth Copeland, Benny Hinn, or some of the others, they will on occasion preach legitimate orthodox Christian messages. But it's when they throw in the extra-biblical, non-biblical stuff that the problems start. So, Hagen, I classify as the godfather. He's the one that got the ball and began to carry the ball for the word faith people. Kenneth Copeland learned from Hagen. Kenneth Copeland, I classify as the guru. He seems to be the one that the other word faith guys want to win the approval of. They want to be like Ken. Then there's Benny Hen. Benny Hen I classify as the mystic wizard. He's mastered the magical arts. He's mastered the Tonkalini power, where he can wave his hand and knock over 30, 40, 50 rows of people and never touch them. People say, it's the Holy Ghost. Hold it a second. We're going to get to the anointing in a little bit, and you're going to find out where Benny Hen claims he gets his power from, and you're going to be shocked. It doesn't come from hours and hours of prayer on his knees. You're going to hear from his own mouth where he gets his power from, and you're going to be shocked. So Benny Hinn I classify as the mystic wizard. He's mastered the magical arts. He's a very smooth-talking individual. He knows how to pull on your emotions and make you laugh and drop your defenses by making you laugh, and then he'll drop a whopper on you, some strange doctrine, some strange teaching. Okay? Copeland seems to start it, and the other guys pick it up from Copeland and carry it out and put their own little twist to it. So we have the Godfather, Kenneth Hagen, Guru, Kenneth Copeland, the Mystic Wizard, Benny Hinn. There's the Joker. That's Rodney Howard Brown. His job is to make you laugh. The problem is he makes you laugh at the expense of the Bible. And what you're going to hear in a little bit is him doing just that. He makes people laugh uncontrollably, and he says, this is the power of the Holy Ghost. No, no, it's not. We've done research into the occults and the occult, and we've seen this power before. It's nothing new. Rajneesh, one of the men who are involved in the occult, is known for giving people so-called holy laughter. But he's not a Christian. Okay, this occult power is nothing new. But what's happening is most Christians have not done research in what other religions teach, so they're able to bring the teachings of other religions into Christianity and try to pass it off as being the Holy Ghost. We need to open our eyes and see, hold the second, this is not in my Bible. See, what they try to do is they take these unscriptural things and they'll put the word holy in front of it or holy ghost after it or they'll put the words in the spirit in the name, things like slain in the spirit, glued to the floor in the spirit. They'll put the words in the spirit in there to try to make it sound like it's Christian. But it's not Christian. They'll say it's holy laughter. No, that's not in my Bible. Not the way these guys are talking about holy laughter. Getting bunches of people rolling on the floor laughing for, for no reason. This is not scriptural. But they're taking these unscriptural things, they're bringing it into Christianity, and they're trying to pass it all off as being a new move of the Holy Spirit, when actually it's an old move from other religions, and they're trying to get we who are Christians to accept it. And the sad part is, I turn on my television, and I look at these crusades, and the places are jam-packed with Christians who only want to get a touch from God, and they don't realize that they're being deceived by these men who have mastered the art of other religions, bringing these teachings in, and at the same time, time they are making merchandise out of the Lord's 
people. The word faith movement reminds me quite a bit about the story of the prophet in the book of 1 Kings. God had sent a prophet and gave this prophet his word as to what he was supposed to do. The prophet knew the word of God. He went and he prophesied over an altar and his prophecy came true right down to the letter. The prophet was told not to eat or drink in that town but to leave out in a different way that he came in after he prophesied. On his way out, he decided to stop. When he had stopped, he was approached by a man who claimed that he had a new revelation, that an angel had came to him and told him that it was okay for him to eat and drink in this town. And he believed the false teacher. And because he believed the false teacher and rebelled against the word of God, it ended up costing him his life, while all the while, the man who deceived him played the part of being some kind of holy, righteous man, even holding the funeral for the man that he had set up, looking all pious and holy in front of the other people. Now, I find a unique similarity between this story and what the Word Faith people are doing. We have Christians out here who have the Word of God. We have our Bible. But these guys have come along with new revelation. And they're saying they're hearing it from spirits, the Holy Spirit, they would tend to say, or the anointing. And they're getting you to get away from the Word of God, the written Word, to follow after some man or some woman who comes along claiming they've heard something different from God that goes far beyond what the Bible actually says. And if you follow these men you will end up the same way as the man of God in the story ended up. He befriended this man, ate with the man, drank with the man. All the while, the false prophet was setting him up for his own destruction. I find it very similar in the word faith movement that that is what they are doing to Christians today. Christians are being set up one after another, one minister after another, one movement after another, and Christians get lured into it. They get seduced. They get made merchandise out of. They get their money sent into these people hoping for some kind of answer to prayer or some kind of move from God. You don't have to buy God off. You don't have to pay some minister to get a healing from God or to get a financial blessing from God. Why are you believing that if you send money to one of these guys that for some reason God's going to bless you because you send them money? Do they have a track record of being honest, holy men of God? Keep listening to this message and you're going to hear what these men have to say in the section on the anointing. I'm trying to warn Christians about this, and I know there are going to be some who are going to knuckle down, and they're going to dig their feet in, and they're going to say, I don't care, I, I like this guy, or, or this guy did this, or he did that, or he touched me and I fell over, or, or I felt this, or I felt that. I hope we'll get beyond emotions and get back to the Word of God. That's where we need to be. When people ask me, what do I think of the word faith movement now that I've done research into it, what do I think it is? I say this movement is nothing more and nothing less than a cult. Now, there are going to be some who are going to take offense. Some of you probably gasped. Oh, let me explain why. 
there are certain identifying markers to a cult. First of all, cults have unaccountable leaders. Leaders at the top who are not accountable to anybody for what they say or what they do. Can somebody tell me who Benny Hinn is accountable to? Who is Paul Crouch accountable to? Who does he have to answer to? Who does Kenneth Copeland have to answer to? Who does these other word faith teachers have to answer to for the things they say and do? Each other? Well, it's easy to answer to each other being that they all agree with each other. Okay? When they teach something that's not scriptural, there is no higher authority that they go to that puts them in check. Another sign of a cult. They misrepresent Jesus Christ. You're going to find the word faith movement has presented the world with a different Jesus. A Jesus that was rich. A Jesus that wore designer clothes. A Jesus that had to be tormented in the pit of hell for three days and three nights in order to gain your salvation. A Jesus that promises you health and wealth if you'll believe in him. This is not the Jesus of the Bible. And again, I'm going to back it up with actual audios from these guys so you can hear exactly what it is that they teach. Cults will use threats and intimidation to stop anybody from getting down to the bottom line of what they're really all about. And you're going to find the word faith movement is no different. They use threats. They use all kinds of techniques and tactics to try to keep people quiet so that what's really going on does not come to the top. Cults are not satisfied using the Bible only. You will find the word faith movement is the same way. They depend on voices they hear in their ears. They say it's the Holy Ghost. They'll say it's the Spirit. They'll say it's the anointing. Various different words that they use. But oftentimes when these voices are speaking to them, they're telling them unscriptural things. We must test the spirits to see if they be of God. We can't just accept it because somebody that we like on television or we like on the radio says it. We can't be so blind as to just accept whatever these men or women say. We must test the spirits. Don't let them intimidate you and tell you don't touch the Lord's anointed. We need to test and see if they really are the Lord's anointed. Another sign of a cult is a mixture of doctrines. You'll find that cults usually consist of a charismatic leader at the top who has taken a little bit of the teachings from this group and a little bit of the teachings of this group and mixed them together with his own unique interpretation of the Bible and then, voila, you've got a following of people and a brand new cult. And another thing a cult has is the martyr complex. They always feel like somebody's out to get them. Now, the word faith movement takes the martyr complex to a whole new level. You see, when somebody comes out and exposes what the word faith guys are doing, if they come out with a book where they're simply quoting what these men say, or they come out with a video where they're showing you what these people are saying and doing, they get the martyr complex. Oh, we must be doing something right because they're attacking us. Therefore, we're going to have a fundraiser. That's their technique. They will take somebody who exposes them and says, see, we must be doing something right. And because we're doing something right, we need you to send some money to us so that we can keep doing what we're doing. Isn't that interesting? So, 
We're going to jump right now into the Word Faith Movement. We're going to describe what it is, what it's a combination of. We're going to get into the anointing, where these men get their power from. And we're going to get into the audio so that you can hear what's going on. Let's get into it right now. Now, I've mentioned that this Word Faith Movement is a combination of a series of religions that are thrown together, mixed together, and being presented to Christians as being new revelation from God. The religions that I've been able to notice that they are mixing is Roman Catholicism, Mormonism, New Age mysticism and occultism, and Gnosticism. Now, at the Underground Christian Network, we believe in keeping things as simple as possible. So we're going to explain each of these and then back it up with actual audio from these men teaching what sounds very much to me like these very doctrines from these other religions, but at the same time trying to pass these off as being new revelations from God. I said this group contains what sounds to me like Mormonism. Mormonism teaches that God is a man who lives on a planet similar to Earth, that men can become gods, and in the early days of Mormonism, their prophet, Brigham Young, taught that Adam was God. Now we're going to go to the guru, Kenneth Copeland, and we're going to see if what he's teaching sounds very much like Mormonism. In the Mormon book, Journal of Discourses, Volume 1, page 50, the Mormon prophet says these words. Now hear it, O inhabitants of the earth, Jew and Gentile, saint and sinner. When our father Adam came into the Garden of Eden, he came into it with a celestial body and brought Eve, one of his wives, with him. He helped make and organize this world. He is Michael, the archangel, the ancient of days, about whom holy men have written and spoken. He is our father and our God and the only God with whom we have to do. That's what Brigham Young, Mormon leader, said. Let's take a listen to Kenneth Copeland to see if he's teaching something that sounds very much like Adam being God in the flesh. God's reason for creating Adam was his desire to reproduce himself. I mean a reproduction of himself. And in the Garden of Eden, he did that. He was not a little like God. He was not almost like God. He was not um, subordinate to God even. Now, this is hard on the human mind, but I'm telling you what the Bible said. The Bible said, let us make man in our image and give him dominion. Kenneth Copeland, the guru, then goes on to say this concerning Adam. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is all a copy. It's a copy of home. It's a copy of the mother planets. Where God lives, he made a little one just like his and put us on it. And Adam is as much like God as you could get. 
Just the same as Jesus, when He came into the earth, He said, if you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. He wasn't a lot like God. He's God manifested in the flesh. And I want you to know something. Adam in the Garden of Eden was God manifested in the flesh. He was God's very image, the very likeness. Everything He did, everything He said, every move He made was the very image of Almighty God. Now, for those who may think I may have taken him out of context or added to his words or something, that audio is found on a Kenneth Copeland tape called Following the Faith of Abraham, Side One. Following the Faith of Abraham, Side One, from uh, 1989. I believe the audio tape number is 01-3001. Now, there's a part in the middle where he also teaches a little bit more with what sounds like Mormonism, and we're going to cover that when we get to another teaching of Mormonism. As of right now, we're going to cover a couple of more where he's talking about Adam as God. You see, Adam was walking as a God. Adam walked in the God's class. Adam did things in the class of God's. Hallelujah. When what he said went, what he did counted. And what he, when he said and when he acted on the fact that and bowed his knee to Satan and put Satan up above him, then there wasn't anything God could do about it because a God had placed him there. But in doing so, he bowed his knee to his enemy, to God's enemy and his, Satan. And the nature of Satan then was lodged in his spirit forever, unless God could do something about it because man could not. Why couldn't he? I thought you said he was a god. He was created in the god class, but when he committed high treason, he fell below the god class. Now, I hope that'll be enough there to make the point that he's teaching something that sounds very much like Mormonism, the Adam-God doctrine that they used to teach. Now, not to be outdone, Benny Hinn likes to go above and beyond what the other people teach. He wants to exceed the master, so to speak. So he comes up with his own stories about Adam, the super-being. Adam was a super-being when God created him. I don't know whether people even know this, but he was the first superman that really ever lived. First of all, the scriptures declare clearly that he had dominion over the fowls of the air, the fish of the sea, which means he used to fly. Whoa. Well, of course, how can you have dominion over the birds and not be able to do what they do? Whoa. Actually, I mean, wait a minute. I, wait a minute. I'll prove it to you. Wait a minute, <laughs> Danny. I've never heard that. The word dominion yes. in the Hebrew clearly declares that if you have dominion over a subject, that you do everything that subject does. In other words, that subject, if it does something you, you cannot do, you don't have dominion over it. I'll prove it further. Adam not only flew, he flew to space. He used to be, he, 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 he was, with one thought, he'd be on the moon. Okay, let's get this straight now. He claims that the Hebrew clearly declares that if you have dominion, that you can do anything that the thing you have dominion can do. So he chooses flying. Well, there's other things birds do. Uh, did he eat worms as well? Did he grow feathers? Did he lay eggs? I mean, after all, Benny Hinn said he could do anything that you have dominion over. You should be able to do whatever they do. 
Do you see the illogicalness of his statement? Nonetheless, you learn Kenneth Copeland's the guru. He starts the wheel rolling. The other guys picks up the ball and adds their own little spin to it. More Mormon-sounding doctrine that's coming out of the word faith movement is this concept of God living on a planet similar to Earth. This recording is also found on the very same tape following the Faith of Abraham, side one. Take a listen to this from the guru, Kenneth Copeland. You don't think Earth was first, do you? Huh? Well, you don't think that God made man in his image and then made Earth in some other image. There's not anything under this whole sun that's new. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is all a copy. It's a copy of home. It's a copy of the mother planets. Where God lives, he made a little one just like his and put us on it. And Adam is as much like God as you can get. Just the same as Jesus. When he came into the earth, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He wasn't a lot like God. He's God manifested in the flesh. And I want you to know something. Adam in the Garden of Eden was God manifested in the flesh. He was God's very image, the very likeness. Everything he did, everything he said, every move he made was the very image of Almighty God. And also from his cassette called Spirit, Soul, and Body... 1985, audio tape number 01-0601, side 1. He had to say this concerning heaven. You read the Bible's account of heaven. It goes into detail about the way some of them are dressed. And I'll tell you right now, they're not dressed anything like you think they are. And they're certainly not floating around on clouds picking guitars and growing wings. It doesn't work that way. The heaven has a north and a south and an east and a west. Consequently, it must be a planet. I don't know why God would make the thing square. There's a city on it that's square, but it, resi it resides on a place, and people live there quite well. In fact, it's something else. <laughs> Are you following along what I'm saying to you now? And if, you, and if you know anything about your Bible, you know what I'm telling you is true. When you begin to hear it all put in line, the thing makes some sense, doesn't it? Continuing on with the pattern of spreading what seems like Mormonism, you have the guru teaching that God stands about six feet tall. Take a listen to this. The Bible said he measured the heavens with a nine-inch span. Now, the span is the difference, distance between the end of the thumb and the end of the little finger. And, and that Bible said, in fact, the Amplified Translation translates the Hebrew text that way, that he measured out the heavens with a nine-inch span. Well, I got a ruler and measured mine, and my span's eight and three-quarter inches long. So now God's span is a quarter of inch to quarter inch longer than mine. So you see, that faith didn't come billowing out of some giant monster somewhere. It came out of the heart of a being that is very uncanny the way he's very much like you and me. A being that stands somewhere around 6'2", six, 6'3", six, 
that weighs somewhere in the neighborhood of a couple of hundred pounds, a little better, has a span of eight and, I mean, nine inches across, stood up and said, Light be! And this universe situated itself and went into motion. Glory to God. So there you have it right there, Kenneth Copeland teaching that the earth is just a copy that God lives on a planet similar to our own. Another teaching that Mormonism teaches is that men become gods, and the word faith movement has jumped onto this one with both feet. You're going to be hearing from the guru, Kenneth Copeland. You'll be hearing from the mystic wizard, Benny Hinn. You'll also be hearing from the jack of spades. He is Paul Crouch, the owner of Trinity Broadcasting. I'll explain a little bit later why I classify him as the jack of spades. So remember, the guru starts it off first, and the others pick up the ball. Here's Copeland. Now, really, disease has had its authority broken. It doesn't have any more right to stand up in front of you in Jesus' name than it had to stand in front of Jesus when he was standing there in the flesh. Because you only tell you something, you are Jesus in the flesh. And take a listen to this next audio as the guru seems to equate himself with the authority of Jesus Christ. P.M. healing. P.M. deliverance. PM financial prosperity, mental prosperity, physical prosperity, family prosperity. It's terrible grammar, but you understand what I'm saying. I'm saying it to affect my mind. He am whatever he has to be. Because he said he'd meet my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And I'm walking around saying, yes, my needs are met according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Glory to God. I'm covenanting to the need maker. I'm covenanting to the need meter. I'm covenanting to the I am. Hallelujah. And I say this with all respect so that it don't upset you too bad. But I say it anyway. When I read in the Bible where he says, I am, I just smile and say, yes, I am too. Well, let's see. Let's put that to the test. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Is Kenneth Copeland the way, the truth, and the life? Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Is Kenneth Copeland a good shepherd? Jesus said, unless you believe that I am, you shall die in your sins. I don't think these I am's fit you, uh, Mr. Copeland. The mystic wizard Benny Hinn takes it a step higher by saying not only are we gods, but we are messiahs. Listen to this. God came from heaven, became a man, made man into little God, went back to heaven as a man. He faces the Father as a man. I face devils as the Son of God. When I say it like this, you are a little God on earth running around. When you say, I'm a Christian, you're saying, I am Mashiach in the Hebrew. I'm a little Messiah walking on earth, in other words. Now, next up, we have the guru along with the Jack of Spades live on Trinity Broadcasting Network as they continue to push this concept that they are gods. Here's Paul Crouch. He doesn't even draw a distinction between himself and... Never, never. You never can do that in a covenant relationship. Do you know what else that's settled then tonight? This hue and cry and controversy that has been spawned by the devil to try and bring dissension within the body of Christ that we're gods. I am a little God. Yes. Yes. I have his name. I'm one with him. I'm in covenant relation. I am a little God. Critics, you are anything that he is. Yes. 
Now, as I mentioned, Copeland, the guru, starts the ball rolling. The other guys pick up the ball and runs with it and adds their little bits to it. The next one is an audio from John Avanzini. John, come on up here. Come on, John Avanzini. One second. I want you to tell me what you hear the Spirit of God saying this morning. Tell me. What the Spirit of God is saying. What you hear the Spirit of God saying this morning. That is being declared in the earth today what the eternal purpose of God has been through the ages and it's coming clearly now to God's people that he is duplicating himself in the earth. Amen. Amen. Now, this teaching of men becoming gods, like I say, it's right out of Mormonism. It's right out of the New Age movement. And these people are bringing this concept over into Christianity and trying to portray this as being a new move from God. We must not be deceived. Men cannot be gods. There's only one true God according to the scriptures. So if anyone's claiming to be a god, by default, they must be a false god. God. We can't say we're little gods or kind of like God. There's only one true God. Just one. So we need to set aside these other concepts and get back to the scriptures. Now, as I mentioned, these movements are trying to merge Christianity with the teachings of other religions. And what we're going to find is one of the other religions that they're trying to merge Christianity with is the Catholic Church. What you're about to hear is an audio Right from Trinity Broadcasting Network, you're going to have the mystic wizard, Benny Hinn, along with the Jack of Spades, Paul Crouch. And they're going to be promoting the Roman Catholic Mass right there on Trinity Broadcasting Network. Now, they're trying to pass this off as being the Christian communion, but it's not the communion they're talking about because you're going to hear the mystic wizard, Benny Hinn, talking about the bread becomes the literal body of Jesus Christ. That is a doctrine right out of Catholicism. They're also going to use the term transubstantiation, which is a term used in Catholicism for the bread becoming the literal body of Jesus Christ and the wine becoming the literal blood. So I want you all to listen very closely as these two are working together trying to merge Catholicism into Christianity by promoting the Catholic Mass right there on Trinity Broadcasting Network. Jesus is in the communion. And I said to you, and I said, you know what I think? I don't think she cares. He said, but I always, when you take it, you're eating my body. That's what he said. We can't change what Jesus said. But see, the, the heretic hunters get in there and we argue on well, over the doctrine. They had a transubstantiation exactly. and all this garbage. It's a matter of faith. Yes. Simplicity. Not doctrine theology. Yes. That's sick stuff. I hate to tell you that. A letter kill. Well, see, I have Catholics in my service. I'm going to have a good one. Yeah. Because they, they believe in the word of God. They believe in their... But you know what? You know what? I think what he did is he took bread... He took his flesh, in a sense, and turned it into bread, which is the most common food. Every culture, every society in the world has a form of bread. So he made his body become bread. Well, when we take this bread, we are eating the body of Jesus. 
Yeah. Now, I want you all to notice the use of the term heretic hunter. This is one of those buzzwords they use on TBN to attack anybody who dares oppose what they do. But if you doubt that there is a connection between the Roman Catholic Church and Trinity Broadcasting Network, take a listen to this. You know who's actually here in Denver, Colorado right now? Pope John Paul II. And what's so cool is the fact that he flew in just a while ago, and he is uh, here being greeted. He was greeted by the President of the United States, Mr. Bill Clinton. And they both flew in, and just a little while ago, just a little while ago, both of them flew right over top of the concert in uh, Air Force Navy helicopters side-by-side. It was cool. One of the greatest events that's happening right here in Denver, Colorado is His Holiness Pope John Paul II right behind us here. And uh, what we're doing here is a big festival that have been uh, sponsored by the Vatican, the Catholic Church, and 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 McDonald's. And uh, actually, TBN was a co-sponsor of this event also, the World Youth Day Music Festival. So here we have a direct connection between Trinity Broadcasting and the Roman Catholic Church. So now you're getting some idea as to what's really going on, why the Word Faith Movement has chosen that particular channel to spread this ecumenical merging together of the religions, religious thought, and at the same time, they persecute, they attack anybody who dares speak out against what they do by classifying them as heresy hunters. So I hope your eyes are beginning to come open as to what Trinity Broadcasting Network is really all about. Let's continue. And to close off this section, we're going to finish it off with the movement that is trying to invade Christianity through the word faith movement, and that is the New Age movement. Now, in the New Age movement, they talk about astral projection, which is where you can have your spirit leave your body and go do things. They uh, also call it remote viewing. They call it out-of-body experiences. Well, I want you to listen to the guru, Kenneth Copeland, as he is promoting this very concept on his program. And I want you to note also that he's implying that God is encouraging him to do this. And he also implies that Paul the Apostle also exercises using astral projection. Take a listen to this audio. The microphone was standing on a, uh, a mic stand out in the middle of the platform. And I'm standing back over there behind the curtain. And, I, and, and my body was so easy and so tired, my knees would hardly hold me up. And I'm standing there going like this. And the, the emptiest sensation started taking place inside me I have ever felt in my life. And suddenly I began to be aware that my body, that my spirit is coming out of my body. And, I, and it, it scared me, and, and I... Then I, I grabbed hold of it with my will and wouldn't let it go. He said the day you were down there in such and such town, standing over there behind that curtain, and your spirit started coming out of your body, and you jerked back like that and thought you was dying, and you let fear get hold of you. And I remember I did. I said, well, God, I mean... <laughs> Really? Now, is this what kind of a horse do you think I am? That they're not going to, you know, at least give you a few chills to stand there and die. He said, you weren't dying. 
I said, what do you mean I wasn't dying? My spirit was coming out of my body. He said, that's right. You were fixing. He said, you were just about to come out of your body, and I was going to allow you to minister to that congregation without your body. You were going to go through that congregation like a whirlwind of the power and the glory of God. I said, you let's show me that in the Scripture. He said, and he showed me 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. The Apostle Paul said, I bear, I carry around with me the dying in my body for you, that the life of God might be manifest in my mortal flesh. He said, the one that raised Jesus from the dead is in me, and he will make alive your mortal body. He said, you missed that opportunity for that experience. I said, what was I going to do? He said, I'm not going to tell you, you missed it. Can I have a second chance? <laughs> he said, you walk with me. I'm on teaching and training about the glory. Now, this is clearly teaching astral projection, and he's implying that he's having a conversation with God, and God is encouraging him to do this. This is not a Christian doctrine. You can find it nowhere in the Bible. And you notice he could not pin down a chapter and verse, so he just throws at you a bunch of chapters. He also tries to soften you up by tossing some humor in there. Always be looking for the humor button to get pushed when they're trying to drop a big whopper on you. Don't fall for this. This is a new age teaching that he's trying to spread with that audio. Don't fall for it. You stick with the Word of God and don't go beyond what the Scripture says. You can never go wrong going that way. In this next audio, he's going to be promoting another New Age concept known as visualization. And he's going to admit that this is that New Age stuff, but he's going to try to downplay it. Take a listen. You don't even think in words. Words create pictures, and pictures in your mind create words, and then the words come back out your mouth. This is a matter of the mouth and the spirit. We talked about that. You can't believe one thing in your heart and say something else with your mouth. You can't say one thing in your mouth and say and believe something else in your heart. Now, you can put some kind of a mental confession in your mouth that Jesus said of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and that's when the action takes place. Because that's when the spiritual force is brought up out of the mouth, whether it be fear or whether it be faith. And when that spiritual force comes out, it is going to give substance to the image that's on the inside of you. Oh, that's that visualization stuff. Oh, that's that new age. No, new age is trying to do this. And they get somewhat results out of it because this is a spiritual law, brother. Precious Christian friends. Don't fall for this, folks. This is New Age philosophies being brought over into Christianity. You don't want to get caught up into this. And one more philosophy that is spread in this group is a philosophy known as Gnosticism. I feel that it's very important that I issue a warning to my Christian brothers and sisters that as of late, the Gnostic winds have been picking up. Gnosticism is a mindset of people who believe that they are smarter than everyone else, that they are better than everyone else, that they have more enlightenment than everyone else, that they are somehow holders of secret knowledge, secret information. And the people in this word-faith movement have this kind of mindset. They feel the Bible in, by itself is not good enough. they got to have some outside source 
to interpret the scriptures. Therefore, you'll hear them saying, the Spirit says to me, the Lord says to me, I'm getting this anointing, so forth or so on. There's always got to be some kind of outside source that's giving them this information. And this mindset is going to be coming through. You've heard it in some of the audios already, where just before they drop a whopper, or as they're dropping a whopper, or just after they drop a whopper, they'll try to make some kind of statement to try to make you feel small. Sort of like, this might be a little hard for the mind to understand, or, no, your mind may not understand, but your heart will, or, uh, you know, hear it, hear it, or some kind of, of saying or expression that they would use to try to lead you to believe that they are somehow tapped in to a higher form of enlightenment and we're just not quite there. We just can't quite get it. Be on the lookout also for Gnostic manuscripts that are popping up like the so-called Gospel of Judas where they're claiming Jesus is secretly giving information to people. Be on the lookout for those because there is a constant move to try to debunk the King James Bible and to try to debunk Christianity by coming up with these weird manuscripts. And usually these manuscripts are from the Gnostics where they're claiming that there is some secret knowledge, some secret information that they would not allow into the Bible. You know, beware of this so-called 616 manuscript where they're trying to say that the Mark of the Beast is not really 666 but 616 and they base it on a manuscript they found in a garbage dump in Egypt. Be careful. The Gnostic winds are blowing. Beware of this Da Vinci Code, another fraud and attack against our faith, straight out of the lines of the Gnostics. While promoting a book called Heresy Hunter on Trinity Broadcasting Network, one of the speakers there decided to show his Gnostic side for anybody who is against the word faith movement, and he implies that we're too stupid to understand what they're talking about. This is really one of the number one issues in the church today. The church is squared off. The heresy hunters are vehemently trying to destroy people. What happens if you take Benny Hinn, Kenneth Copeland, uh, a lot of the, the ministries and take them out of the church? There's going to be a tremendous vacuum, and I don't believe anybody has proven that they're guilty of heresy. Those heresy yeah. hunters don't have the brain power to prove that either. Say, say that again. Your I, mic said those, I said those heresy hunters do not have the brain power to prove that Benny Hinn and Kenneth Copeland and Kenneth Hagin are heretics. They lack the intellectual prowess necessary to do that. Well, they can't do that. At least they haven't done it. My point they don't have they, the power in their head to they, do that. They haven't done it. Uh, now, i got to say, listening to this, you can hear the arrogance that they feel that anybody who doesn't agree with them doesn't have the brain power to figure it out. Well, I'm hoping that this message will help people to understand exactly who these people are. They think you're too dumb to figure out what they're doing. This is amazing. But I tell you what, we don't believe you're dumb here at the Underground Christian Network, and that's why we take the time out to put these messages together. We believe people are smart enough that if they're given the information, they'll take it and they'll run with it and they'll know what to do with it. He asked the question, what do we do if Kenneth Copeland is taken off? If Benny Hinn is taken off, I think we'd be better off because these men are spreading confusion in the church. And we don't need men spreading confusion in the church. We don't need men or women coming on the scene who are teaching things that go far beyond what the Bible says. We need to get back to the King James Bible. 
get back to what it says and stop going beyond the Bible and then attacking people who dare come forward and say, you guys have crossed the line, you stepped over the line, and it's time we get back to the Word of God. And these people out there that are teaching these things, you may ask yourself, where are they getting this information from? Well, according to them, they get it from what they call the anointing. So we're going to go into section two right now, the Word Faith Movement and their anointing. What it does to them, what it makes them say, and what it makes them do, some of you are going to be very shocked at what you're about to hear. So stay tuned to the Underground Christian Network. In this section, we're going to be dealing with the Word Faith Movement, and we're going to be dealing with where do they get their power from. Many of you may have tuned into a Benny Hinn show, and you've seen him stand there on the stage during the healing portion, and you would see him touch people and they fall. But on many occasions, he doesn't even touch them and they fall. He can wave his hand and knock over rows of people without ever touching them. He can scratch out his hand and emit a force from his hands that knocks people over. I've seen him wave his jacket and knock people over. In other cases, like the Brownsville Revival or the so-called Pensacola Blessing or the Toronto so-called Blessing, all kinds of strange manifestations, people barking, people howling, people waving their arms like they're bird wings, uh, all kinds of weird, strange manifestations. And they're trying to tell us that these weird, strange movements are all manifestations of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says to test the spirits to see if they be of God. So let's put these spirits to the test to see if these actually are the Holy Spirit or if it's another power at work. Open up your King James Bible to the book of Galatians chapter 5 and let's find out what the fruit of the Spirit is according to the Word of God. We're going to start at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Temperance is self-control. Very important. I'm going to play for you an audio, a couple of them, from Benny Hinn as he describes the anointing that he has. And I want you to simply listen to what he says and measure that by what I just read from the Word of God. The Word of God says, the fruit of the Spirit is temperance, self-control. See if what Benny Hinn is describing sounds like the Holy Spirit, self-control, or could it be that there's another spirit that's giving him this anointing? We'll let you be the judge. Under the anointing, not one word falls to the ground. Amen. Amen. Now, when you hear me speak the blessing, claim it. Because under the anointing, it's going to happen. Amen. Do you know, saints, under the, please understand this. You're looking at me now, wearing, sitting here, wearing this suit and all this stuff. I am not the same man under the anointing as I am now. True. I mean, I, I, it, believe me when I tell you, I do not even identify with the Benin you see on television. Amen. Because it's a different man. Uh, it's not me. My children are afraid of me under the anointing. 
What they do not know is I am afraid of the anointing too. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Temperance is self-control. Let's listen to him talk about his anointing again and see whether or not he's talking about the Holy Spirit, the spirit of self-control, or a spirit that makes him out of control. I've tried to understand it. Why people fall, I honestly don't know. It happened to me when I was by myself a number of times. And it's like um, where you lose control almost. So Benny Hinn admits this is a spirit. This is a anointing that makes him go out of control. But again, we're testing the spirits to see whether or not they be of God. I'm not judging the man. He's already been judged. What we're going to do is we're going to present to you how this man acts under this anointing. And you tell me, you tell yourself, if this is the spirit of God or if this is another spirit at work. What I want you to do is I want you to think, turn your brains on, and ask yourself, would the Spirit of God make a man prophesy falsely? We need to test the spirits to see if they be of God. I'm going to play for you a series of prophecies made by Benny Hinn, and I simply want you to ask two questions. And we're going to ask these questions based on the Word of God. Open up your King James Bible to Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 20. We're going to find out the difference between a true prophet and a false prophet based on the word of God. Here we go, verse 20. But the prophet which shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, nor that shall speak in the name of other gods, even that prophet shall die. And if thou say in thine heart, How shall we know the word which the Lord hath not spoken? When a prophet speaketh in the name of the Lord, if the thing follow not, nor come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord hath not spoken, but the prophet hath spoken it presumptuously. Thou shalt not be afraid of him. The Bible test of a false prophet, the Bible test of a true prophet, is what they say when they prophesy. Number one, do they claim to speak in the name of the Lord? Number two, does what they say come to pass? So I'm going to play for you a series of prophecies made by Benny Hinn, and you just simply ask, number one, does he claim to speak in the name of the Lord? And number two, did the prophecy come to pass? This first prophecy was made New Year's Eve, 1989, by Benny Hinn. The Spirit tells me, Fidel Castro will die in the morning. Oh my. Some will try to kill him and they will not succeed. But there will come a change in his physical health and he will not stay in power. And Cuba will be visited of God. Okay, check your scorecards. He said Fidel Castro would die in the 90s. At the time of this recording, it's 2006. Fidel Castro was alive and well in Cuba. And this prophecy clearly has failed. Here's another one. The Lord also tells me to tell you in the mid-90s, about 94, 95, no later than that. God will destroy the homosexual community of America. But he will not destroy it 
with what many minds have thought him to be, he will destroy it with fire. And many will turn and be saved, and many will rebel and be destroyed. It certainly must have been a Burger King moment uh, that night as he's serving up all these whoppers, but clearly uh, this prophecy didn't come to pass. Uh, as of 2006, neither has the homosexuals been destroyed, but in fact they've been rewarded. Homosexuals, since he made this prophecy, has been elevated to positions of power in various different religious denominations, and the movie Brokeback Mountain became somewhat of a success depicting gay cowboys. Clearly this prophecy is false. But I want you to understand he is saying it is the Lord who's telling him these things. He's saying it's the Spirit of the Lord that's telling him these things. I want to go to one more of his prophecies, and I want you to understand there is a whole bunch of them. I can put bunches on here, okay? But I want to go to one more to let you see just how this man presents his anointing. He does it with emotion. He does it with humor. He knows how to grab the crowd. He knows how to get their attention. And these stories he just seemed to make up right there on the dime under this anointing. Because clearly these prophecies have not come to pass. Let me give you another one that he gave during a fundraiser on Trinity Broadcasting Network. Listen very closely to how many times he gives positive confession that this prophecy will happen, but it doesn't happen. Take a listen. I prophesy we're about to enter the greatest season of harvest since Pentecost. And here's why I say it. I'm watching Israel. I'm watching Bill Clinton, our president, trying to get peace back between the Syrians and the Israelis. You may disagree with his policies, but don't worry about that, brother. God Almighty is fulfilling his plan. When the Syrians and the Israelis finally signed that peace treaty, and they have to very soon because Hafez al-Assad is a sick man. He's got to sign that thing before he's gone. Let me, let me explain that. The Arabs, uh, they care much for dignity. They, uh, honor is a big thing there. The man years ago said, this is Hafez al-Assad, he's the president of Syria. He said years ago, he said, before I die, I will get the Golan back. That's his name. That's his honor. Now, all along the way, he's been grooming his son to take over the presidency. If Hafez al-Assad does not get the Golan back, his son will never be president. Because that's his name. That's his position. That's got to do with honor. He is a sick man. He's struggling physically to stay alive. That's why, my brother, he's got to keep his promise. So that's the reason why... He met with Ahud Barak, or sent his foreign minister recently, to meet with Ahud Barak in Washington, D.C. Now we have another situation happening in Washington. Our president will be out of office soon. To place his name in a good place in history, he's got to do something right. I, I, I'm, I'm going to say it again. Bill Clinton knows that peace in the Middle East 
is something very important to his future, to his name in history. He does not want the Monica Lewinsky problem to be his number one thing. He wants something better than that to leave behind. You got to understand that. This is his last year in the, in the White House. He's got to do something big. So he stops in Geneva on the way back from Pakistan or India to meet with Hafez al-Assad to say, get this thing going. I only have a few months left. And most likely the, the other guy says, and I have a few months left too. Well, let's do something. Let's get the Israelis to agree to this. But see, they may not know it. It's in the Bible. It's prophetic. The moment Syria signs that peace treaty with Israel, and they have to, they have to because God says they will. The, the, the second they will, they are going to bring in the entire Arab world into the peace camp. They'll bring in all of North Africa, Libya, uh, Tunis, Lebanon, all of them will come in, including, including Iraq. I know this is a shocker to you. The Bible clearly states only three nations will be out of that peace camp. Iran, Ethiopia, and Libya. The only three that will not be a part of that peace camp. Which means Iraq will be in. Lebanon, Syria, of course, you know, Jordan is in already. And the Egyptians, so on. But get ready when all of North Africa except Libya. The entire Middle East, right to the Persian Gulf, Kuwait, Bahrain, Oman, Dubai, will all be in that camp. Now, when that peace treaty is signed, three things will happen. I'm prophesying those again, even though you may have heard me say it before. I'm, I'm reminding you in case you forgot. One, the second the Syrians and the Israelis get that pen and sign that peace treaty, take your seatbelts off. Three things are going to happen. That will be the key. And I'll tell you why. Because God said in His Word that whatever happens in Israel affects the world. That is a prophetic sign just like 48, 67, 73 and on. All those years are prophetic years. The second they sign that peace treaty, three things will happen. I have known this for years. I am praying it will happen this year. Number one. The greatest move of evangelism in world history. More people will get saved in this short period than all since Pentecost. And they'll be getting saved in the high schools, in the colleges, on the streets, in the malls. They'll be getting saved left and right. And they will not have, and they will not have to show up to a service. People, they'll be getting saved in the classroom, in the hallways of schools, in the malls. They'll be getting in theaters. Oh, no. It's coming. And I predict by the anointing of God, I feel on me. Every loved one you have prayed for, every husband, every child, every brother, and every sister will be born again when that move hits. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. There is no question about it. The second thing that's going to happen is a move of the miraculous unseen in world history. Now look, while I'm speaking, I know you want to hear all this. Get to the phone. You can hear it. You can still hear it with one ear and talk with the other. So get to the phone. Don't just get to the phone. If the lines get busy, well, they're open right now. So get to the phone. The second thing that's going to happen is, the, is a move of the miraculous unseen since Pentecost. 
Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to see miraculous things happen, creative miracles happen. We're going to see people healed in such mass. You're going to see people getting healed in their homes, in their churches, on the streets, in the highways, on the subways, on the buses, in the cars. God's going to heal His people and He will not wait for the healing evangelists to show up in town. It's going to happen everywhere. That is coming. I heard Catherine Kuhlman prophesy that. And she said that they will come. There will not be one sick saint in the body of Christ. And my friend, we're about to see it. And I'm waiting for that Syrian man and that Israeli man to sign that little piece of paper. And then I want to tell you, get ready. But I'm telling you now to get ready because it's about to happen. Thirdly, the greatest move of prosperity in world history. I know you beg God, get me out of debt. I know you prayed, oh God, I can't handle those bills. Get ready for the Lord to give you a miracle like He did in Egypt back so long ago. The wealth of the sinner is about to be given to every believer. But, my brother, don't expect, don't expect this wealth if you have not been sowing for it. Israel sowed, and that's why God gave it to them. You have got to sow before you can reap. I'm here prophesying. I'm not preaching tonight. I'm prophesying tonight. That in the next few months, the heavens will open and a mighty harvest season will begin on you. But you've got to get ready for it now. But you see now, we're all waiting for this mighty move that is just next, next door. Weeks away. No more than just a few months away. But we've got to sow for it now. I want you to get to the phone, make a pledge. Now I want you to understand that that was done during a fundraiser. He went through all this elaborate prophecy, given all kinds of detail, all kinds of positive confessions. He's saying, it will happen, I prophesy to you this will happen, God says it will happen, it's in the Bible, the whole nine yards, and it was all a lie. He did it with feeling, he did it with emotion, he did it with all kinds of, of getting the crowd into it, getting the crowd psyched up, and what came out of it. The only thing that came out of it was people ended up sending up a lot of money in the Trinity Broadcasting Network only for nothing to happen. Now, when Benny Hinn came back on Trinity Broadcasting Network, he sat before the Jack of Spades. Paul Crouch. Now the reason I call him the Jack of Spades is because these word faith guys know that no matter what they do, they can falsely prophesy like you just heard them do. They can lie, they can deceive, they can manipulate, and they'll get away with it if they talk to the Jack of Spades because he will cover for them every single time. I want you to take a listen to this as Benny Hinn was asked about this prophecy and why it didn't happen. I want you to remember in this prophecy he was saying God told me this. I prophesy this. God said this. The Bible says. But when the prophecy failed all of a sudden he changes his story. Take a listen. I was expecting Hafez al-Assad in fact to make peace with, the, with Israel before his death. And of course, that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. uh, he came close to it, but then uh, it just—it was God's plan uh, yeah. for it not to happen, really. Yes. Now, do you hear the Jack of Spades going? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you're understanding why I call him the Jack of Spades. 
Now, I don't want people to think I'm sitting here picking on Benny Hinn because that's not the case. I'm not trying to put these men down or destroy anybody's ministries, but I believe that we are dealing with a bona fide, certified, false prophet. You've just heard several of his false prophecies, and I have a whole bunch more. And I tell you what, this message is going a little long, but I hope you guys are understanding why we're letting it run as long as it is. I want to make sure... And the Underground Christian Network wants to make sure that you understand fully what this movement is. Well, what you're about to hear is uh, one that I found to be rather insulting. You see, this anointing that they claim to be under, they claim it's the Holy Spirit, but there's nothing holy about it. They seem to make a mockery of the Word of God. What you're going to hear next is the Guru and the Joker joining forces together and what is known as dueling tongues. What happens is the guru, Kenneth Copeland, calls the joker, Rodney Howard Brown, up to the platform. The guru tells him exactly what his job is. When you come to the platform, you will prophesy. So the joker knows, okay, i got to go up there and i got to come up with some prophecy real quick. But remember, the joker's job is to make people laugh at the expense of God's word. And what you're going to hear is his so-called prophecy is going to be mixed with a bunch of ha-has and hee-hees to get the crowd laughing. And then the guru, Kenneth Copeland, jumps in and starts speaking in tongues. And these two are speaking in tongues back and forth as if they're having some kind of conversation in tongues, patting each other on the back, laughing. It's one of the stupidest things I've ever seen in my life. Yet the crowd is laughing hysterically while they make a mockery of the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Take a listen to this. Rodney, Howard Brown, come in. And hand that to, to Rodney. Stand right up here, Rodney. Yes. I don't know why that is, but stand on what he said. When you get up here, there'll be a message from the Lord on your heart. Don't you deliver it to come up now? No, no, only says. Now, just now, that's enough. Yeah, that's good, right there. In great boldness, Rodney left this day, and he filled the Christ with a new wine of the Holy Ghost. Rodney left this day, and oh, Satan, Manama, Erepa, Erebo, Ah-ha-ha. Oh, Corinthians, Ah-ha-ha. Oh, Repeat, Ah-ha-ha. Oh, Repasianama, to drink, 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 to drink.
Now, this certainly is not the second chapter of Acts style of speaking in tongues, where there is a tongue and an interpretation and an edifying of the body of Jesus Christ. This is making a mockery of the gifts of the Spirit. The Joker is known for making a mockery of the Word of God. Take a listen to this audio as he's sitting back preaching at the Word of God while the people laugh hysterically. And clothed off with a salmon which was surnamed Peter was lodged there. While Peter thought on the vision... This concludes CD edition number one. Please insert Benny Hinn and Beyond, the Word Faith Movement's Hidden Agenda, CD edition number two, for more than an hour and a half more on the underground Christian network.com.